Hey guys, welcome back to the BMW Block Podcast. Uh, it has been a while, but today uh, we have a very special guest. And I am pleased to introduce to you Nikki Shields. Uh, you might have seen her on the Formula E broadcast because she's kind of the face of Formula E. She's been uh, presenting the Formula E races for quite some time, actually, probably from the very, very early days. She's also a journalist, of course, a YouTuber, and she's kind of an expert in the electromobility field. So today we have a lot of topics to talk about. Nikki, welcome. <laughs> you what a lovely introduction thank you very much for having me and yes it's oh kind thanks of, for joining it's, it's kind of sad i started at the beginning of formula e, <laughs> i know it's actually 14. is it 2014 because yeah. i remember the first time meeting you or seeing you doing the broadcast maybe it was the berlin uh e-prix but i don't know if it was 14 or 15 bmw was not involved but i do remember oh, yeah. the, okay. the broadcast at that time so how about we start with that you know let's just jump right in <laughs> How did you get into the Formula E broadcasting? Ah, start at the very beginning. Okay, so yeah, um, I'll try and cut a, it wasn't that long of a story, but um, so my original background, I suppose I did biological sciences at university. Okay. I went to university um, in a place called Bristol, which is in the south west of England. Um, okay. And it's where they have all the of BBC National History production companies based. They produce a lot of the David Attenborough shows, wildlife mm -hmm. programs. So my sort of dream, I suppose you could call it, was to work as a kind of science wildlife broadcaster, presenter. And um, so anyway, I got into the world of television and started presenting around sustainability and environmental issues. Um, but sort of... A, a hidden secret of mine, I suppose. My dirty little secret was that I was a huge Formula One fan <laughs> and a huge okay. racing fan. <laughs> um, so I, you know, grew up, obviously, you know, as many of, uh, I'm sure your listeners have done the same kind of grown up watching racing with their father, although hopefully we'll change that. People are going to be saying their mother and father <laughs> in the next generation. Yeah. And uh, we did karting together. We kind of went to racetracks together. Um, he's big into his cars as well, as is my, both my um, grandfathers. So I was always a bit of a petrol head. And then, um, but that was very much just a hobby, just a passion of mine. Never, sure. ever, ever, ever in a million years did I think I would actually work in the industry. It was just something that I enjoyed doing as a, as a passion. And then, um, yeah. yeah, I did a show on the future of electric cars back in really like, cool. oh, it was probably 2012. And you well, can imagine the really future of electric on. cars. Well, they were pretty bad. They were pretty bad. <laughs> Probably people were looking at you like, yeah, you're nuts and it's never going to happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and also, like, you know, I was investigating it. I wasn't a fan of it. I was sort of, yeah. you know, I was actually quite a cynic of it. Sort of thinking like, mm -hmm. yeah, good luck. I'm going to go home with my dad in his BMW M3. <laughs> and how are we going to have fun driving this? <laughs> um, and so I would say I had a, we, we did a, a, a piece with um and it's Unleaf and Renault Zoe, and it was quite funny because I couldn't get the charging points to work. The infrastructure was terrible. Mm. Overall, yeah. I would say the experience was very average. Um, and uh, but but as part of this interview, the the guys at Renault, um, who we interviewed, told me about this yeah. racing championship they're involved in, Formula E. And uh, yeah, no, I have to admit, again, I was like, mm, good luck racing <laughs> with no noise. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> 
But um, I then sort of went home and thought about it. And I was like, well, actually, because they were telling me about the spec of the car, you know, 0 to 100 in under three seconds and the shimmy pitch of yeah. the car. And I was like, well, well, actually, you know, yeah. putting the noise to one side, the yeah. rest of it sounds super cool. You know, city street circuits, yeah. um, racing in some of the world's most iconic cities. Um, and actually, for me, it kind of meant it was like the perfect hybrid of ticking my environmentalist credentials um, but then also my love for racing and that's kind of how it all started I then got in touch with Formula E and said look if you need a presenter pit lane reporter I'm here I'm willing um, I can talk about the battery technology um, and Very yes cool. they got me in and as they Very say cool. the rest is history, history I gave Alejandro yeah. Gage a, a lesson in how a lithium-ion battery works <laughs> in my final <laughs> interview um, he's nice. the CEO of Formula E and I think uh, mm. yeah that's stuck in their memory and that's one of the reasons I got the job <laughs> nice all right so speaking of history so tell me how the Formula E has changed over the years I mean what do you yeah. see different now versus you know 2014 well I think I mean, now people just get it, you know, people get okay. electric cars. They understand why we exist, you know, with, mm -hmm. if, I don't need to tell, tell you and, and anyone who's listening, you know, we all know how the legislation is changing around mm -hmm. our road cars. And so I think today everyone, yeah, they understand racing. They understand, sorry, electric racing. They understand mm -hmm. the purpose of it and why we need it, um, the, cool, the cars are really quite fast. They look really cool. Yeah. We race in the, sort of the heart of some of the world's most iconic cities. And we've got an amazing driver lineup, you know, former Formula One um, mm -hmm. winners, F2 champions, Le Mans winners, WEC champions. You know, we have an incredible lineup of drivers and, mm -hmm. and also manufacturers as well. If you look, we've got some of the greatest manufacturers involved in Formula E from, from Jaguar to Porsche, the list goes on. Um, yeah. But when we first started, that story wasn't really quite so true. <laughs> and, you know, it was very difficult to get the big car manufacturers involved uh, because we were obviously kind of one of the, the first to, well, the, the first FIA racing championship that was electric sure. to exist. And, you know, you mm -hmm. looked around, no one was driving electric cars. No one was particularly mm -hmm. interested in, in electric cars. Why did we need to be? It was mainly yeah. the kind of, I suppose there were a few pioneers and innovators who believed in it um, sure. and, and, and that was it and we did have obviously you know we had a, f a few big names back then um, mm -hmm. I mean you've got uh, and actually you know the likes of Sam Bird, Lucas Degrassi, yeah. uh, Jerome D'Ambrosio they're still in the championship mm -hmm. and involved in the championship today um, but it was um, you know it was definitely hard to get you know names like BMW who then later did get involved in, in mm -hmm. Formula E. So yeah, it's what changed What do you think about all this? Yeah, it's changed a lot quite a bit. I mean, it's changed even over the last two years because now you see the some automakers leaving the championship. Yeah. So I'm actually wondering, what's your take on that? I think it's a combination of lots of different things. I mean, you know, I think one of the main reasons that Audi are leaving. So we've got, I think we've got Audi. Mm -hmm. uh, well, it's the, the Germans are leaving. It's the, the mass Germans, exodus. Yeah. It's, it's Audi mm -hmm. and BMW who've left for this season and then Mercedes will eventually leave uh, next season. Um, and I think, yeah, there are a number of reasons. I mean, commitments to other racing championships, for example, Audi, mm -hmm. going across to the Le Mans hydrogen cars. Mans, yeah. um, and then there is, I think, there is obviously uh, an amount that you need to... That, there's this technology development, isn't there, from the racetrack yeah. to road cars. Oh, yeah. And I do, perhaps there is a point where maybe 
the likes of BMW have thought, actually, we've kind of, we've learned what we needed to learn. You know, we've done as much as we can here because it is at the end of the day, a, a testing ground. And if they're not mm -hmm. continuing to learn more each time, it's a, it's an expensive thing to be involved in. The other thing sure. is the price has gone up. <laughs> it's, it was a lot cheaper yeah, when, right. when we first started, uh, you know, now it's obviously not nearly as expensive as joining a Formula One team, but you know, mm -hmm. um, it's still, a big cost to any car manufacturer to be involved in. Um, gotcha. And then I think Mercedes, I think they were slightly unexpected because they, because I mean, Toto Wolff, um, you know, he's been down to so many Formula E races and they've been okay. really, really committed. But I think it came from the powers above um, and it was maybe a bigger strategic play in that um, mm -hmm. in that field but no that it will be a it yeah. will be very sad to leave them but you know what, we've still got um so many other manufacturers involved you know yeah. ds are huge the the most successful team sure. involved in formula e with i think three constructors and no three yeah, drivers and three constructors two constructors championships yeah. um and then there's envision we've got yeah jaguar as we've mentioned mahindra mm -hmm. huge indian Mahindra's team um mm -hmm. i mean they're, they're very big in in india when it comes to electric cars so i think you know we've the fact that we've still got i mean penske racing obviously a huge mm -hmm. name yeah in the states venturi who are a monaco-based team so i think it is obviously sad to see some of these big names leave um, because yeah. they have been part of it. I mean, BMW have actually been part of it really in the very early days because they brought in the BMW i8 safety car um, mm -hmm. and the i3 was the sort of medical car. Um, yeah, exactly. So they were involved in it even before they had a they team. Competing. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Um, but it's not going to affect the sport or anything like that. You know, there are plenty of car manufacturers out there. <laughs> exactly. Um, and actually, I, mean, I think fewer is maybe a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think even newer companies, they might join also, like, you know, companies you don't even expect, like startups and all of that. So I think yeah. you see maybe even better companies may might be joining. Yeah, that's true. You know, versus an uh, automaker. But um, what do you think about city racing versus, you know, track racing? Do you think that's... One of the reasons why the, the races were maybe not as popular as Formula One or which format do you think it's best? Because now you've been to all the cities and you've been to different track formats too. So you definitely have some experience with that one. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I love street racing. You know, you look at what happened in Monaco this season. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. it was phenomenal. You know, Monaco in, in Formula One is notoriously mm. known as the track that the street track that you can't pass on. Mm -hmm. And then Formula E came in. We've raced in Monaco before, but this was the first time we actually did the sort of the full, uh, very similar to the Formula One track. Full um, track, yeah. So it was like the full circuit. And mm -hmm. boy, it was the one of the most exciting races we've seen in Formula One. Formula One? Formula yeah. E. There Formula was e, yeah. so much overtaking. Um, yeah. And so I think that was a, just like a perfect demonstration to say, okay, well, maybe you can't in Formula One, but actually we can pass in Formula E. And that's why street circuits can be so much fun um, i mean yeah. you, conversely you look at the formula one race that they just had in Jeddah. um that was one of the most exciting yeah. f1 races yeah. based on yeah, a street exactly. circuit mm. so i mean for me uh, okay it, it, it's tricky because sometimes it is it would be nice to have a little bit of extra runoff area um and mm. occasionally maybe the circuits are a little bit too tight and so mm. we kind of we've seen a couple of times before i think it was in uh, rome where we yeah, have a really big one. pile up. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, at the end of the day, you just want to see good 
wheel-to-wheel racing. Um, yeah. You don't want to see a massive pile-up and then a delay of 20 minutes to get all the cars back on track. You know, debris cleared. It just delays things. It's a bit stop-starty, yeah. so you can't get into it. So mm-hmm. I would say... Um, you know, as long as it's not a, a circuit, maybe that's quite so tight, um, and uh, you know, and you consequently have lots of too many accidents, too many safety cars. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, yeah, I would go street circuit every time, and also it just means that you're in an amazing city. You know, you're in the heart of Paris or Monaco or mm-hmm. Mexico City. Uh, actually, that's Mexico City is a slightly different one. Um, it is a different one. Yeah. Um, I've got that one in my mind because it's our second race of the calendar. But um, you know, uh, we've raced in I don't know Long Beach, for example, um, Miami. Uh, but, but yeah, my point being is that, you know, when you're in the heart of these iconic cities, you've got these awesome mm-hmm. backdrops and mm-hmm. it just makes it so special rather than, yeah. don't, don't get me wrong, I love Silverstone. I've spent many a time in, at Silverstone, yeah. but it's just, it's sort of a racetrack plonked in the middle of nowhere. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're there for a weekend of racing, there's nothing much else to do apart from so, yeah. wander around the racetrack. Um, yeah. So I do think there's something exactly. very special about a street circuit. Gotcha. So aside from Monaco, what would be your favorite city that you've been to with Formula E? Um, so we did go to, I think it was maybe the second season, um, or maybe even the first. I can't remember. All bloods into one. Um, we went to Moscow in Russia. Moscow, really? Now, that okay. was amazing because we were really? racing around um, some, ba- it, like, proper, when we say in the heart of an iconic city. It was literally around St. Basil's Cathedral, our TV compound backed onto the Kremlin. Um, Hmm. And it was just one of those moments thinking, hang on a minute, we're racing here? (laughs) And I'd been to Moscow before as a tourist and was just like, this is like mind blowing that we've actually built a racetrack on these streets. Um, So that was a cool one. Uh, And then, yeah, I mean, Hong Kong is very special as well. Of course, yeah. It kind of gets into the dusk sort of time. Mm. Uh, it really looks really pretty, but um, yeah, I mean, we're I was supposed lucky. to go to Seoul actually. Uh, oh, after yeah. Twenty twenty was there was supposed to be a Seoul race, and I was supposed to go, and uh, unfortunately, that didn't yeah. happen. Yeah, I was excited COVID for got that, in the one. Way of that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I did go to quite a few actually. I went to Rome when we first met, also, and yeah, it is amazing, but, but it's so disorganized. Like, yeah. <laughs> And also, I think I just actually, I say, I always say Rome is amazing. I think I'm just thinking with my stomach when I say that. The food in yeah, Rome is amazing. It is amazing. <laughs> the racing and the racetrack and the, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> it's all a negotiation there, basically. You know, even yeah. if you have the right credentials, it takes like a while to get around. You know, it's always a negotiation uh-huh. with, the, you know, the bodyguards and all of that. Brilliant. But yeah. <laughs> cool. So, yeah. So, last question on the Formula E. I'm, I'm sure you often get this question, you know, Formula One, Formula E. Yeah. When people ask you, you know, which one has a better future or even though it might not be the right question, do you think eventually Formula One will go more, even more towards electrification and how will those things play in? I mean, so it's a tough one. I mean, it is quite funny how I think Formula One and Formula E do get compared a lot. You know, no one's ever asked me about... Formula E compared to the World Endurance Championship or Rallycross mm-hmm. or Rally Cars, like it is. I guess yeah. obviously because they are the, they sort of look quite similar, um, similar in yeah. that perspective. But they are two mm-hmm. completely different motorsports. They are not related at all. <laughs> um, sure. But we, I think, yeah, mainly because of the way the cars look. I suppose the sort of um, mm-hmm. open wheel 
single seater they get compared a lot you know formula one ultimately has been going for over 70 years you know formula e is going into season eight (laughs) so (laughs) i think it's a big compliment to formula e to ever be even like put in the same room as formula one because you know to be compared at that point is is an amazing achievement um i don't i mean formula one will never go or can't go electric because formula e have the exclusive rights to be the only electrified FIA championship. Okay. Um, gotcha. So they will they will always ex- exist side by side unless, of course, mm-hmm. Formula E suddenly wanted to be bought out by Formula One and they came up with some kind of deal. But, um, sure. you know, it's not like Formula One could just suddenly copy what Formula E are doing and say, oh, actually, we've Understood. changed our mind. This is We're going to run a fully electric powertrain now. Good luck, Formula mm-hmm. E. Um, mm-hmm. That could never happen. Um, and I think from speaking, actually, I had a really interesting chat with um, Ross Braun recently, um, okay. you know, MD and uh, technical director of, of F1. And he was mm-hmm. just, you know, he's still very much committed, I think, to the synthetic fuels, trying to create a kind of circular cycle where ultimately, okay, there might not be zero emission at the tailpipe, but if you can create some sort of net zero carbon effect, from your synthetic fuels, then this could be a kind of green uh, way to move forward. And then the other mm-hmm. one, which, you know, is talked about a lot, of course, is hydrogen as well. You know, how mm-hmm. how to make hydrogen work. So I think Formula One will probably go in the direction of either of those two at the moment, if they can get it to gotcha. make it work. Um, I also think, you know, the electric, uh, the, you know, our batteries for electric cars, they wouldn't, they're not the capabilities, they wouldn't be able to do a two hour long mm-hmm. race at those yeah, kind of speeds at those kind of tracks sure. um obviously the, the technology is developing and batteries are becoming more efficient yeah. however i do think we're still a way off before you could actually you know make formula one electric and still expect the same kind of racing uh, and the same you know for the same durations so yeah, good points yeah, yeah i don't think i don't think we're going to see that happen anytime soon um, but i think ultimately you know what you've got to remember is that the manufacturers everyone involved in formula 1 is there because of that but well, a lot of it is because of that transfer of technology from the race car to the road car and if they have a powertrain that can no longer be used in consumer cars or the technology can no longer be in consumer cars then you're going to see people drop out and pull out you know there's no point in it existing so exactly. whatever they do formula one needs to keep moving with the times otherwise they'll start losing manufacturers i think understood you mentioned earlier uh, lmdh um what do you think about that racing format i think bmw is going to join that um audi porsche I'm sure some others will follow as well. Yeah, I think it looks really cool. I mean, I'm a huge fan oh. of um, of anything that is supporting another alternative energy, you know, for our cars. Mm-hmm. We know that um, electric has its limits. I think it is a brilliant, brilliant short to medium term um, solution, particularly for consumer cars. But if we're looking at mm-hmm. anything bigger than that, you know, uh, bigger transport from Trucks, yeah. lorries exactly to mm-hmm. planes to boats so all of that then again mm-hmm. those heavy batteries do have their limits whereas that um mm-hmm. 
the sort of energy density that you can get from hydrogen is just amazing. So I think the fact that they're moving into that, we you know, we do need racing again to, to, to be the testbed to start looking into this area. So I think it's going to be very cool, although I'm just very sad yeah. that they pinched Audi. <laughs> Because yeah. it's not the same, you know. We've had Audi in Formula E since the very beginning. They, uh, you know, Formula E is Audi. Audi is Formula E. <laughs> so we we yeah. will miss them, and you know, having Alan in the pit lane and things like that. But uh, no, yeah. I'm very excited actually to see to see how that goes. Um, yeah. I think it's very exciting. Who's your favorite driver in uh, in Formula E, or one that you get most laughs with? Oh, now that two different questions there. <laughs> okay, okay, two different questions. All right. <laughs> so I'd say um, I, the one that you can always get the most laughs with is Antonio Felix da Costa. He oh, he's awesome. Looks... I actually know him from yeah, 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 exactly. He's awesome. I've actually known him from uh, BMW times. He's a great guy, really great guy. Yeah. Exactly, and he always comes across <laughs> as funny. like you know whatever the situation. Most of the time, he's always yeah. very positive, he's relaxed, he's funny, mm -hmm. and he is very like that back. in real life. So he's just a great, very, very likable mm -hmm. character. Definitely one of the most popular mm -hmm. drivers in the pit lane, that's for sure. Um, nice. And then... I think, I mean, I, supp I suppose I'd have to give that answer. Otherwise, I'm like, who do I like in terms of what their driving style, their capability? Yeah. I, mean, I kind of love sure. what Jake Dennis has done, actually, like come into Formula right, three is this just like, mm. you know, rookie, you know, so chilled, um, very yeah. quietly confident, you know, not arrogant, yeah. but kind of just, you know, I'm just going to give it my all, do what I can. And he... Um, yeah, he's he's a really he's also a, a very sort of likable character in in the paddock as well. That's for sure. Did he sign up with another team? Yeah, so he's moved across to yeah. Andretti. Ava, Avalanche okay, Andretti, gotcha. as they're now called. So he's staying with the Andretti team though, but not with the BMW. Exactly, uh, exactly. Train, huh? So yeah. staying exactly, so sort of staying with the same guys. Yeah, yeah very cool. Yeah, but there's they're nice. actually. I mean, you know, you got to say though. A huge credit actually to the Formula E drivers because they're a, they're a really good bunch. They're a lovely bunch to work with. There's none of this kind of arrogance, like oh no, I'm not going to do an interview with you now. I'm, I've, mm -hmm. you know, no diva. There are no divas allowed yeah. in Formula E. I, I mean, maybe the odd one gets through, <coughs> John Eric Van. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but other than that, you know, but he's also you know a lovely guy to interview as well, and uh, you know we'll do what they can. So. I would say there is this, we can't sort of call ourselves this Formula E family and it really does feel like that. And uh, everyone's there to just sort of get on and, and put on a good show. Gotcha. All right, so now let's talk about your other part of life where you're actually an automotive journalist and YouTuber. Um, tell me about your new website. I think it's, I mean, it's not new anymore. It's maybe a couple yeah. of years old now, maybe less than that. Feels new. Tell me about that. And also tell me about some of the electric car that you've been driven lately that you've been excited about. You know, it doesn't have to be a BMW brand. I mean, we, we test a lot of cars to not just BMW. So. Yeah, sure. Well, um, yeah, so it's called electrifying.com. And, and yeah. we launched it pretty much at the beginning of lockdown um, <laughs> in 2020. <laughs> Perfect time. Just exactly. Just when <laughs> life was pretty much rock bottom, we were like, let's launch a new business. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm just so glad we carried on and, and did it anyway, because we just thought, look, yeah. we've got nothing to lose. Fortunately, we'd shot a lot of content already. Um, so we were yeah. like, let's just crack on and go for it. And it's worked out. It's um, definitely, it's nice. been 
best decision we could have made to carry on with it. Mm -hmm. And it is pretty much a one-stop shop digital platform for everything you need to know about electric cars. So whether you're thinking about making the switch to electric cars, you know, you just need a bit of advice. Um, There's Mm -hmm. a lot of sort of... I suppose, myths out there about what you can and you can't do with electric cars. Can you take them in car washes? Will it, you know, explode in the rain? You know, can I plug in in the rain? Am I going to get electrocuted? All of these funny little things that, Mm -hmm. to be fair, if you don't work in the industry and have never experienced it before, they're all very valid questions. Um, But don't worry, you won't get electrocuted um, (laughs) if it does start to rain in your your electric car or charger. Um, But yeah, so, and then we, of course, do all the, uh, the car reviews that you would imagine. So any uh, new and old. We've we, we've we've been doing an old. Um, what do we do? An old Ferrari that's been retrofitted into an electric really? car and a, and a Porsche one. as well with Everati. But um, nice. yeah. So anyway, yeah. We get to experience so all of the new ones, the new ones, which, the cheap ones, yeah. the expensive ones. The yeah. <laughs> um, and what? Yeah. So what have I driven recently that I really liked? Well, I mean, there is obviously there's a couple that have really t- sort of, I guess. Stole Everyone's your been heart. talking about, yeah. you know, there is the Hyundai Ionic 5, which has captured yeah. a lot of everyone's imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is, um, I mean, of course, most recently, there is the BMW iX, actually, yeah, which yeah. was has just been, you know, an absolutely, well, I think... If you can look past that grill, I <laughs> love it. It's just sound like me now. <laughs> beautiful, yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I feel like you can also, I, you know, when a new car comes out, it's very difficult to compare old versus new, isn't it? So everyone's kind mm-hmm. of hung yeah. up on the grill. But I'm just so yeah. I, it's, I, I'm very adaptable. I'm very versatile. I've got used to it really quickly, and then you see past it, yeah. and then the rest of it is just amazing. Um, mm-hmm. The interior, like the styling, it's just, mm-hmm. it doesn't really compare. I can't think yeah. of another car on mm-hmm. the market that I'm like, oh, it's like this. Because it's not. Mm-hmm. It really is one of a kind. Um, and it Agree, has, yeah. you know, an incredible range. It's, it's, it's the one car that I feel like I would be able to drive. And it kind of ticks all the boxes for me. You know, I've got a yeah. family. I want a big mm-hmm. car. I need a decent-sized sure. boot. Um, I like a, a big SUV, not these, you know, crossover SUVs. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, and a decent range. You know, it needs to yeah. have a big, chunky range. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, of course, it comes with a big, chunky price tag as well. But <laughs> does, yeah. <laughs> but I, I love it. I love it. So, so that's yeah. definitely caught all of our imaginations at the moment. Um, yes. And then they also have another one coming out uh, in a couple of weeks, the iX M60. Oh which, yeah! Uh, I saw the car; it's a monster. Yeah. yeah, I haven't driven it yet, but I will drive it next year. But it's a Very it's a nice. monster from what I heard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just and exactly. Exciting. Suddenly, and having the M, you know, associated with yeah. the electric range. Exactly, um, performance and electric range. Yeah. But from the other brands. What's your take on the uh, on the American automakers? So let's say Tesla, mm. or more recently Rivian. Even though Lucid is not American, really, but you know, yeah. I, I guess it's popular here. Have you had a chance to spend time with any of those uh, well, products yet? Or I mean, we I mean, Tesla—they're just like they just. I feel like well, with their cars, actually, I was I was going to say they get it right every time, 
Although, yeah. when, whenever we do a sort of car review, sometimes we, um, we do twin tests. And, you know, whatever comes up against the Tesla, it's just like, mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> the chances are it's never going to win because the Tesla is just yeah. so good. And particularly with that, mm-hmm. you cannot fault the fact that they went ahead and they set up that supercharger sure. network. And mm-hmm. just to have that supercharger network is the thing that I think, you know, sets them apart from everyone else. Move. And mm-hmm. it just puts your mind at rest, you know, when you know, you know, particularly for me, you know, I have a job where... I'm not going just from A to B, B to A, A to B. But, you know, I'm not doing the same commute every day. I'm going here, there, everywhere. And I'm doing journeys that I've never done before. And I need reliability. And the public charging network at the moment is not reliable. You know, it's it's usable. But, you know, Mm -hmm. if you know you've got to get somewhere at a certain time and you can allow, you know, 20 minutes for a quick top up at your charging point Mm -hmm. then you need something reliable and our service stations and it's not always the case so i think having that supercharged network just suddenly sets tesla apart whatever the design of the car however far it can go because it has a supercharger network you're suddenly like that's the game changer having said all of that i actually don't like the design of the Tesla. I don't like the way any of them look from the outside, really. And I don't like the interior. But what about the Cybertruck? I find, like, um, okay, that's slightly different. See, that's an interesting okay. one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, well, okay. Okay, putting the Cybertruck to the side, um, the like the interior, because this is just something, again, that we sort of talk about quite a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The interior is... It's too minimalistic. It's too futuristic, you know. And that is basically again the Cybertruck's gone. <laughs> yeah, it's too much. I can't cope with that. I don't. <laughs> I don't want this future. I just want a nice, normal car. You know, I like a car that I'm familiar with, which uh-huh. I guess is why I like the iX so much, because it's not yeah. really futuristic and out there or minimalistic or trying to be different. It's just a really nicely mm-hmm. built car. <laughs> Um, and I just feel like the interiors of Teslas are just, ah, oh, they're just a bit annoying. I don't want to use the screen every time I have to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if I but want it's, to it's funny you say that, though. wing mirrors. I, it I is don't. funny you, you complain about that because I used to do the same thing and I used to tell the Germans about that as well. And they used to laugh about Tesla quite a bit, especially the German engineers. Oh, yeah. uh, and now they're trying to mimic them quite a bit. Mm. And you're going to see that even more in the future than you've seen so far from what I know. No, you're, so... yeah. you're right. You're right. And everyone's going towards like, let's use the big screen in the middle. Exactly. And let's keep you all look the at buttons the Mercedes too. To, yep. to a sort of minimum, but which I don't so, mind, like, yeah. because they're sort of at the moment, it's a bit of a hybrid. You know, you've got, you've still got some buttons, you know, for like yeah. your radio or your volume or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I just find it annoying when you're driving. As well, I find it dangerous. Yeah. You know, I can change my wing mirrors when I'm driving without taking my yeah. eyes off the road. Yeah. How are you going to change your wing mirrors while driving on that screen? You're like, where is yeah. it? Uh, you eventually find it. <laughs> Maybe I'm just yeah, stuck from in a usability perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just inside as well, it's just. I think what bothers me the most are really the fingerprints that I see constantly on, that, like on the exactly. screen. Exactly, reflections. Know, I, I, I completely agree. Yeah. Oh, they're horrible. Yeah, really. yeah. I can deal with, with all the hands. other stuff. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Covered in makeup. <laughs> me nuts. Like, 
<laughs> Constantly have to have a uh, cloth to clean it up. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I give them credit, especially for the yeah. supercharged network. Yeah. Um, it's the same. It's, it's funny you say that, you know, because you have the same issues in the UK that we have in the US in certain areas because I consider California not part of the US when it comes to uh, electromobility. They're like on their own land. But uh, in places like where I live in Chicago and other major cities, the, the network is terrible for, for non-Tesla products. Uh, yeah. And that's what makes the adoption of electric cars here a little bit harder. Yeah. And that's what people like. The, the, likes, they like Teslas because it's so easy to charge almost everywhere. And, um, and you're absolutely right. They definitely nailed that. It's, it's kind of like they, you know, the chicken and egg problem, but they kind of mm. figure out that they can do both yeah. at the same time. I don't know how they did that, but they built a product and the network and they've done a great job. So I give them credit for all of that, yeah, honestly. Exactly. Well, totally. And, you yeah. know, massive credit. It really, they, you know, they have lead, led the charge on it all. You know, if it wasn't for them kind of going out first with it, I yeah. think we would actually be um, quite a way behind still, for sure. Exactly. They've or the electric the truck scene. Or they definitely did. I'm um, sorry to interrupt. I was thinking about Rivian now, but yeah. how are the electric trucks seen in the UK? Because I know there's such an American thing, you know. And honestly, I'm going to start with this. When I looked at the, at the Rivian product first, I was like, yeah, maybe. But the more that I looked at it, and even though I will never buy a pickup truck, like ever, I'm just not a type. I mean, I'm just not <laughs> a type of pickup truck guy. But looking at the Rivian, I would actually buy it. It's it's an interesting product. It's not yeah. because I need a pickup truck space <laughs> or a cargo and all of that. It's just cool. I think it's a it's a cool nifty That's product, exactly and it's getting describe yeah. it exactly. Yeah. It is so cool. And um, yeah. actually, we got uh, Ginny. I think she went out to. It was the California. Yeah, was it was the LA Auto Show? It was the media lounge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, and just the response that we got on our social from that car was crazy. Huge. Everyone loves it. So interested by it. I still find those. I can't the the little um, sort of oval headlights, you know, that come in across the strip. It just makes it look like a little character. It's like a little face. Um, yeah. uh, you know, I feel like it's going to start talking to you at any point. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a fun looking so car. Yeah, exactly. It is. It is. Um, now to move to the higher end, I've saw a recent interview. I, I'm not sure if it was recent, but I think it was you that actually done the interview with the CEO of, uh, of Remac. Yes. Was it you? I did. Yeah. Matthew. Yeah. So, yeah, Matt. So tell me about that. What do you think about them? What do you think about, you know, what they're trying to do? It's quite an interesting story. It's, it's actually a fascinating story from my point of view because it's more of a tech company than anything else. But, you know, anything you'd like to share about your experience with them? I mean, so Matty Rimats. It's he pronounced it in Croatian Rimats. It's spelt Rimats. Yeah, Rimats, yeah. Um, mm-hmm, yeah. And he is... 33 years old i know it's insane and yeah. he's about <laughs> to become the ceo of oh. bugatti river like it's unheard of you know and, this is yeah. bugatti is a company that's yeah. been running for over 100 years it's bugatti it's like you know exactly. one of the greatest names in the automotive industry with so Agreed. much history and heritage and mm-hmm. this guy this young entrepreneur has just been named as their future CEO. It is absolutely incredible, but he so deserves it because um, I, funnily enough, met him actually when Formula E first started back in 2014 because he developed an electric car um, called the Rimac. I think it was the Concept One. Yeah. So it was Mm -hmm. the very first um, Rimac that he 
developed Mm -hmm. and that was going to be and it was actually for a couple of seasons um the safety car before the bmw i8 took over now again you could already spot that he was just this like genius you know this young really Mm -hmm. innovative guy the fact that he he was really young back then yeah i know he would have been about 25 six yeah Yeah, it's crazy you know and oh it really is and he's i think he because actually, when I did this interview with Matty, we went to his hometown in Croatia. We actually went back to the school that he went to. We met yeah. his professor, and it was his professor that kind of spotted him as this, um, yeah, this amazing. He was an inventor, basically. I would say that that's yeah. how he kind of described him as. Um, and he put him forward to, into all of these competitions. And he just kept winning them, kept winning them. And he sort of let them, mm-hmm. led them at a local level and then at, the, at a county level and then, you know, at a country level. And I think obviously it just sort of, sort of fed his passion and his confidence as well, because they said he wasn't a particularly confident guy at school. He got bullied a bit. Um, but because this professor had sort of spotted um, that he was a, obviously a really gifted student, and put him forward for these competitions, built up his confidence. And yeah, and he nice. spotted this opportunity and saw, right, electric cars, they are going to be a f- the future. Um, I'm going to, I've, and he's always been a huge um, sort of motorsport or automotive fan. I'm going to go yeah. uh, one step further and make my own electric car, like yeah. not just an electric car, sorry, like a supercar, you know, yeah, with speeds, exactly. well, it's the new one that's just come out, is speeds yeah. of naught to 100 kilometers an hour in under two seconds. It's insane. It's insane. Which yeah. is, yeah, it is it's insane. Mind-blowing. Um, yeah, I mean, he's done a great job, but honestly, building a company at that level out of Eastern Europe, it's even more impressive, right? I mean, yeah. that's, I think, the bigger story than anything else, because if you have the resources in Silicon Valley or even sure. you know, Berlin or London, this, yeah, it kind of makes sense. But once you come out of, you know, Croatia or any other Eastern European bloc country, I guess uh, it's even bigger the story, honestly. 100%. And actually, it was very interesting but, um, because he said that, you know, and he said he's had so many offers to have the business taken the out of Croatia. Yeah, yeah. And let's move it to here. Let's move our plants to, you know, anywhere, in, as you say, in the States mm-hmm. or in Europe. And he's flat right refused it say no you know this is a creation business we are going to stay here and and he did say yeah it can be a bit tough when it comes to obviously finding the right staff to employ because mm-hmm. you know your talent pool is a bit smaller um but he's yeah, yeah. very much sticking to nice. to his roots which is amazing and he's a hero yeah. over there like of course yeah can imagine. you know if can oh, you imagine if there bigger was a, than the president yeah exactly he is he's an absolute you yeah. know get roll out I the red carpet that. for him um mm. because he's really yeah he's put croatia on the map um not of just course. in the automotive world but you know in yeah. sort of industry uh, industry level Agreed. so do you have any backstories on on how he got promoted to being the CEO of Bugatti or how the VW group, you know, invested in him and I, in the company? Um, well, I, cause they're now a big shareholder in Rimats. In Rimac, yeah, yeah, exactly. Rimac, so, yeah. um, that other than that, no, not really. <laughs> yeah, okay, gotcha. um, so I mean, I, it's a, it's a huge bet for VW group to name in the CEO of Bugatti, right? I mean, it's a, and he's got some really big shoes to fill yeah. too. I mean, it's a different company clearly than, you know, Remax, so. Absolutely. I mean, gotcha. obviously, gotcha. they they know that they need to be 
I suppose ultimately Bugatti know that they need to become electrified and who better to do that than the guy who has just created the world's fastest electric car. That's what Bugatti want to be. They want to be the world's fastest electric car. So why not get the guy who's just done it for his own company to come over and do it for them? Um, But it's going to be interesting to see what happens to Rimats if it's, you know, stays a brand within its own right or will just completely merge. Be absorbed. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Out of the... uh are there any other European startups in the electric world that you've met or you've seen that you're excited about? I mean, we don't get to hear much about them, you know, on this side of the pond. But mm. I was kind of wondering if you've come across anything that's interesting. Anything new? Not really. I think what's uh, what is quite interesting at the moment is just the there are a lot of car companies coming out that have that are retrofitting classic cars. So there's a okay, really gotcha, interesting, okay. um, interesting company mm-hmm. called Lunas, uh, okay. which they kind of retrofit. Um, they've done like Rolls-Royce, Bentleys, really, mm-hmm. really beautiful old classic cars. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's quite a few of them, actually, different companies popping sure. up. Um, so I suppose they're the ones... They're the sort of small, unique, boutique companies that I'm keeping an eye out. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no one really it's not like in, That's you know, great. China where there just seems to be so many <laughs> Yeah, there are so many right now. manufacturers popping up. Mm-hmm. Um none that spring gotcha. to mind in Europe, to be honest. Okay. I'm sure there'll be All one. Right, then let me switch <laughs> gears then. Let me give you an easier one then. Um so when we talk about electric range, I mean, you're, you're, you're the expert in that field. And I have this conversation with some other people that maybe they're not EV focused people. But um, what, what do you think it's the, I mean, the battery capacities will evolve and the technology and it will get to, a, you know, even further ranges in the future. Mm-hmm. But is there like a limit where you say, oh, oh, okay, this is enough range that we can get out of a car. Let's start focusing on other things, you know, maybe on the performance, not the performance, maybe on the efficiency, maybe on the, uh, you know, charging. I, I would say yeah. charging would be the number one thing. But is there like a cap that you say, oh, okay, a thousand kilometers on a single charge, and this is more than enough. Stop spending time on that. Let's focus on other th- uh, things. A hundred percent. I We always joke about it actually um and i quite like this range it's called your bladder range (laughs) okay (laughs) because when you're doing a long distance (laughs) journey what's gonna go first you know eight tiredness we're always told you gotta take a break and also you gotta go to the toilet (laughs) so there is no point in carrying around no matter how good the technology becomes a heavy you know batteries will still always be heavy to a degree they will get lighter but let's call them you know there is no point in Mm -hmm. carrying around a heavy battery for 95 five percent of your journeys when or even less when like once in a while you might do a thousand kilometers without stopping i mean it's just crazy it's just it's pointless it's inefficient and it defeats the whole point of driving an electric car so i really do think we're almost at that point now where you know 400 miles sorry i'm talking in miles here uh what's that i mean we we actually use we should use miles too so okay great fine we'll stick with that um you know i think something like 400 miles is plenty um and Mm -hmm. i think let's also remember that when it's an official range 400 miles so actually if you're driving it slightly above the speed limit on the motorway um you're only Mm -hmm. maybe going to get 300 out of it so Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I think, uh, and again, you know, that's a, so 400 is a kind of, 300 is your sort of usable, 400 mm-hmm. is your official range. So I do think we are really quite close. Uh, what just needs to yeah. happen now is that the batteries can become lighter and obviously quicker when it comes to charge. So you mm-hmm. need to be able to, every, everywhere needs to be rapid chargers. So, you know, you want to mm-hmm. be able to spend 10, 15 minutes charging your car, not 13 mm-hmm. hours, um, yeah. which... I, I, is fine if you have home charging facilities um, and you can charge at home overnight, not a problem. But if you don't have home charging facilities, Mm -hmm. which, you know, a lot of people obviously that live in cities um, do not, yeah, Yeah. then it it needs to be something that you can fill up pretty quickly. So I think, yeah, I think we're very close to it on range. You know, three, four hundred miles is 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 an, is enough. Well, it's definitely enough for my lifestyle. Um, you know, I've I seen think, for mine. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's it's yeah. the big transport, isn't it? You know, the lorries. That's big, when yeah. it becomes different. Sure. Um, but again, yeah, they've no, got to take a break as right. well. Yeah. They, you know, they can't just drive yeah, exactly. for thousands of kilometers. And I think they have limits too on how much they can drive anyway, so exactly. they have to stop. Exactly. But yeah, no, I actually got by even, I mean, I've been driving electric cars, you know, the i3 for, for the last seven years now. So I've had several ones and I started with a 60 mile range and I'm, I'm up to 150 Woo. in the new one and I'm still okay <laughs> with 150, but it's, it's the charging that's the problem, right? Mm-hmm. And the other thing that kind of, you know, concerns me about the fast charging, I love the fast charging part is, but if you buy the car and you keep it long term, I still don't know what's the, what are the repercussions or what's the influence on the battery life. Yeah. That will be a big one, right? That's because true. if you keep fast charging all mm. day long, I, I don't know if they're going to last 10 years. Mm. And then that's going to be an issue because it's not easy to swap out the batteries and the cars just, you know, they're just not useful yeah. anymore then. I reckon, so. I reckon we'll, we'll be good for 10 years. Um, you know, I think as long yeah. as your battery, you know, you're, you're doing your sort of, you charge from 10% to 80% and just stick, to 80%, you yeah. know, stick to those limits yeah, yeah. instead of putting, don't try and cram in 100% every time you do a charge because yeah. that will wear the battery down. Um, yeah. quicker you know it, it, it's it's much healthier for your battery if you want to get a long sure. lifespan out of it to just charge it from yeah 10 to 80 percent and just leave it at yeah, that so, yeah. um so i think I, I, yeah so i think i think i would i would say confidently saying that um you know 10 years would be a, a good average lifespan for a battery if it's mm-hmm. been looked after <laughs> yeah. um but, well, hopefully, but obviously yeah, 10 years we'll, is you know some we'll people have their out. car for 25 years yeah, so, ex- exactly. Yeah. That's the um, that's the big difference, and especially like in the US, you see a lot of older cars here. Yeah, because I think in Europe they tend to. Um, mm. I think the regulations are a little bit stricter on older cars here. You can yeah. see cars they're falling apart, still being like on the road. So, <laughs> uh, it's a different yeah. world here. So. We, we get hit with <laughs> you a big bill. F- oh, a big like. You know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> If you want to drive so, anything nice. old and So before we end, because I don't want to keep it too long, I know you have a family to take care of no. and you're busy too. <laughs> Tell me about your relationship with BMW. I mean, I, I think most of the, probably, you know, our followers, you know, they definitely know you from the BMW videos. Aww. I mean, you've done quite a few the last few years. I don't even remember what was the first one that you've done with them, maybe the A-Series or even before God, that. Yeah. But now you also have a podcast with them that yeah. you're doing, which is awesome. I listen to it. So... Tell me how the you know the two of you connected. How it all you know, came out. do you know what? Um, as with all these things, uh, I hmm. originally was sort of introduced to BMW in the UK, literally just okay. through a friend of mine. He Gavin, was working with them. Probably Gavin. Yeah. Um, and it was a guy called um, Byron, um, and yeah. a friend of mine who'd just done an event with BMW was like, 
Oh, Nikki, let me introduce you to BMW. I think you guys should meet. So we did. And we went for lunch. And that's how it all started. (laughs) But it's quite funny because... um, So I have grown up... Like, my... uh, The reason I... I guess I suppose I have an affinity to BMW is, again, thanks, Dad. But he has only ever had BMWs since I was yeah. born. Um, so I guess I remember I you telling of, me that in our first interview. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. He, he, mm. um, he actually is quite funny. He went, um, he went rogue the other day. And bought, <laughs> he did, huh? uh, yeah, he did. <laughs> um, and decided to buy a Porsche um, Panamera. And I mean, you can't really blame him, you know. I mean, it's, they they make some really good products, you know. So, and and I think a, a lot of the BMW owners, they actually they're Porsche owners too. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. So, okay, so there is not that okay, much competition so in between BMW and Porsche. <laughs> it's usually BMW, Audi, BMW, Mercedes, but BMW and Porsche, Porsche there is okay. a crossover. Nice. And if you talk <laughs> off the record with the BMW engineers too, they do have a, an affinity and a and a respect for the Porsche brand more than any other brands. <laughs> that's good. Okay. So, so that's acceptable. This is then. not a get unfollowed yeah exactly yeah yeah so Um, he's fine well well, well, do you know what's so funny though is that like he has talked about getting a different car to bmw i'm not going to go through all the cars he's had but like for years every time oh i'm looking at this i'm looking at that i'm looking at that never ever ever will move away from bmw um even though he talks about it and then finally he gets he goes goes AWOL and gets a Porsche and he had it for about six months and has already just bought another BMW. <laughs> oh, he did? Uh, yeah. So next time you see Domagoy telling them maybe that large grill, maybe that's what, you know, moved your father exactly. over to the Porsche. Exactly. <laughs> Let's see what Domagoy says. Oh, dear. <laughs> but yeah, so that's name, the... Domagoy, I love it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so anyway, so, so, so I suppose, yeah, yeah, BMW, I guess it's just one of those things, you know, isn't it? It has this nostalgic feeling i i feel attached to the brand um for no real reason Uh, other than that (laughs) and then and then you get stolen by the germany uh, by the german team right basically right yeah then (laughs) then it's quite funny and then like poached just different people sort of contacted me like all quite separately Mm -hmm. like different production companies from germany say oh we need a a video can you come and do this bmw car review and and then oh can you come and do this and actually oh we and then formula e of course with the bmw team and then doing the bmw formula e launches it just again Mm -hmm. there was like the right fit there um so it's yeah it's it's quite funny it's all, all the different um things that i've done with bmw they haven't all just been managed by the same team or you know i know how it works it's all just Mm -hmm. come from sort of slightly different places different departments um, yeah and then yeah they asked me to do the uh the podcast changing lanes as well which has been a really lovely experience actually really nice to actually drill down and go quite a lot deeper you know it it is for it's a Mm -hmm. podcast for bmw fanatics that's for sure yeah um and so it's been amazing to just allocate that amount of time to sort of researching, really go uh, very deep into certain models or styles or periods mm-hmm. of time or whatever yeah. it is. Um, mm-hmm. The design. I have to connect with them too. I haven't really talked to that team yet. I'm going to connect with them one day too. Yeah. Let's see no, if there is something that we can do together. It's def- an interesting format that they have. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. It's a really so, good idea. And they also give you an i8 at some point, right? You're driving uh, an i8, like a loner yes, for a little bit. I did. Well, I had a lovely i8. And did you I8. give it back? Ugh. Why did you give it back? Oh, because I had a son. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> so boring. So you should have I mean, left the husband at home well, and just, exactly. you know, <laughs> use the 
<laughs> use the car seat for uh, that. Well, do you know what? I think I probably would have been able to stretch it a bit longer, but I actually had just changed it to the Roadster um, okay. at the time. The Roadster had just come out. It was like one of the first Roadsters mm-hmm. in the UK. And I had one. It was amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. So we had a really fun couple of months. And then, yeah. yeah. I had a baby and there was no room for the <laughs> child seat. <laughs> so what car do you drive now? Then? So now I have a BMW X5 plug-in, obviously. And then of course, the, beautiful. Yeah, the, good the latest um, i3, BMW i3. Mm. Oh, you do? Cool. Yeah. Oh, same, my yeah. God, I love the i3. Which which color do you have? Um, it's, I think it's... <laughs> I, I, I don't know the names so either, terrible. all of them, but it's you can tell me the color really, and I try to guess. It's really, really dark blue. Okay, so that's the same one that I have. It's called Imperial Blue. Imperial Blue. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, it, it, it looks black. Yes, in, it in looks some black. Light. Yeah, that's in one that because I've had yeah in some light. Yeah. I have the same one because I've I've had all the colors possible. So the last one that I got last December, I was like, hmm, which color I did not have so far, and that was the only one that was available that I did not have. So I was like, I'm gonna take that one. But um, yeah. they did come out with another cool one after I I picked up mine. Uh, Galvanic. Gold is this crazy yellow mustard yellow Ooh, cool. color. Oh, it's it is beautiful. That's the one that that I wanted to really get. What, but it came out. Name again? Gal- uh, galvanic or galvanic, uh, G A L V A N I C gold. Actually, if you Google it, I'm pretty sure BMW Blog will show up with our own video on that car because nice. we're the first ones to yeah, actually have it in it. the U.S. Lovely. Galvanic gold. Gorgeous. It is it is stunning. Yeah. I love that color. That is very cool. But um. But no, I, I agree. The i3, it's a great family car. It's actually very practical. People don't even realize how practical that car is. Might look quirky and funky. Yeah. Uh, but from a styling perspective, like inside, it's, it's really useful. But what I find fascinating about the i3 is that I was looking back at, um, like when it first came out, what was it, 2012, I think, 2013 maybe? Yeah, something like that, yeah. It hasn't changed. 13, yeah. it, like it really know, yeah. hasn't changed, which is amazing. Yeah. And yet it's, it's stood the test yeah. of time. It's it looks still fresh. looks mm-hmm. amazing. Um, and yeah. the interior is like practical, but also looks cool. It's like modern and futuristic, yeah. but it still does all mm-hmm. the things that you wanted to do with actual yeah, buttons. Exactly. I, yeah. <laughs> I love it. And I actually love yeah. the fact that um, when I pick my son up from nursery, if I bring the i3, he's like, yay, mommy's got the fast car. <laughs> <laughs> it is fast. People don't realize how quick that car is from zero to like 30, 40 miles per hour. Totally. It's quick. Especially with the car seat, it's it's useful. If you have the front facing oh, seat yeah. with the suicide doors much or not easier. suicide, whatever they call them, the coach doors, mm-hmm. it's so much easier to load kids up. And I've seen actually families with two kids using the i3 as well, which is brave. Yeah, but, okay. Um, uh, <laughs> maybe that's a stretch uh, right i'll but, let you um, know i'll let you know in march <laughs> yeah let me know how that yeah. goes yeah i'm kind of curious <laughs> let me know but uh but no, the, the x5 will always get the job done if you need to and that x5 hybrid is probably one of their best suvs they've ever made yeah. I've, I've been saying that for quite some time they've nailed they've nailed that it's a, it's a fantastic product yeah, so it is. i'm happy uh, to, to hear really that you're driving car. that really solid if you ever cross over to another brand let me oh. know i'm curious what you're gonna get <laughs> i wouldn't i definitely dare. see in a rivian i think a rivian would be oh um, my god be a I, cool I mean, one if if i didn't live in london yes but there would, you're in those, i would like, never be able to city? park that anywhere <laughs> ah, i see so you're in you're in the city yeah. so then you're just like me not a not yeah. a good choice for big no. cars yeah. <laughs> i mean the x5 <laughs> is fine 
because well it's got so many you know assistants <laughs> you know it's got yeah, it, it hundreds does. of cameras it you does. can't really get the parking <laughs> wrong but anything bigger than that yep. i think would be a nightmare <laughs> awesome all right, well, we're coming up to an hour, so I don't want to keep you too long. It's been my pleasure, honestly. I've been bugging you for many months, you know, to uh, hop on. So I truly appreciate for, take, for taking the time. And hopefully we run into each other soon again. I think we saw each other in Frankfurt briefly. Yes, we did. Uh, yeah. yeah, the motor, the motor show was show, yeah. kind of strange motor show. I wasn't used to it, to that format. And, you know, it wasn't as busy as in, as in the past. I'm kind of wondering what's going to happen with, uh, I know. with motor shows. They still come back for next but, yeah, year. It, Exactly, but hopefully we'll see you at a BMW event, a press launch or something. Definitely. Well, thank you so much sure for having me on. I'm glad we could no, uh, yeah, finally get round to it. <laughs>